adoption to sonship, the right to be called and to become children of God. These are gifts today from your Heavenly Father through His Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The Word of God that I'd like to study a little more closely with you today is the Old Testament reading from Isaiah chapter 63. Not very familiar words, so I'm going to invite you to take out your worship folder. You can follow along. I'll make reference to the other two readings as we study as well. Did you get everything you wanted for Christmas? I know three that did. Did you remember to say thank you for whatever gifts you did receive? It's the worst, isn't it? When you give somebody a gift and they don't acknowledge it or appreciate it or, or even say thank you for it. I still remember the time that Andrew was opening a Christmas gift. He's all excited because he's still pretty young and socks. And he held them up in the air and he said, I don't want socks. Chucked them across the room. That was not the appropriate response. Did you get a gift for God? I know we all received a gift from God, the greatest gift we could ever receive, His own Son to become our Savior, but did you think about getting a gift for God? Today, through the prophet Isaiah, God tells us, I'll use Mariah Carey as my theme here, all He wants for Christmas. And it's you. Today, God tells us that He wants true children who will tell of his kindnesses. The first verse of our reading reminds us of all of the gifts that God has given to us. Isaiah said, I will tell of the kindnesses of the Lord, the deeds for which he is to be praised according to all the Lord has done for us. Yes, the many good things he has done for Israel according to his compassion and many kindnesses. Maybe as we look back over 2022, we can remember the gifts that God has given us. To begin with, it's God who gave us our lives. It's God who gave us our bodies. And I know that not everybody is in the perfect health we would like, but it is God who has continued to give us enough health to live to this day and we pray into the future. It's God who has given us our Families. We all have parents, many brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and cousins, but also now our, our spouses and children and grandchildren. It, it's God who's given us passions and interests and hobbies and talents and abilities that we can put to work. And often through that work, God provides homes, not just little shacks, but homes that have multiple car garages and plenty of stuff to fill them. And, Food and clothing and shoes and toys and electronics, all we need and, and so much more. And why did God do that? Well, Isaiah said, according to his compassion and many kindnesses. We don't say the word kindnesses very often. It, it, it's a troubling, not troubling, it's a difficult translation for a Hebrew word. It's chesed. It's a word that sometimes is translated grace, which reminds us it's God's undeserved love. Sometimes it's mercy. Sometimes it's just love. Here they use the word kindnesses. It reminds us that God has given us all of these gifts simply because he wanted to. 
Luther said, all this God does only because he is my good and merciful Father in heaven, not because I have earned or deserved them. And that's important to remember. Sometimes it's easy for us to think, I worked hard for all of this, and, and the world around us is constantly telling us, whether it's the news or commercials or companies, that you have rights, you have things that you deserve that are coming to you. That's really not true. We don't have any rights before God. I mean, if God gave us what we deserved, our lives would be filled with much more pain and suffering than they already are. So why does God love us? It's because he wants to. Sometimes when I'm teaching new life in Christ, which, by the way, starts in another week, or catechism class, and we go through creation, almost every year somebody asks, why did God create the world in the first place, especially when he knew that sin was going to fill it and threaten to destroy all of it? I'll often respond by asking, especially if I know that the person asking has children, then why did you have children? You knew, right, before you had kids that they were going to be expensive and challenging and rebellious and it just, it wasn't going to be an easy thing, so why bother? And the answer, I think, is the same reason that God created the world. We want somebody to love and somebody that will love us. And I think that's why God created you. He simply wanted to love you, and he wants you to love him back. In fact, God himself speaks in verse 8. He said, surely they are my people, children who will be true to me. God doesn't just want children. He wants true children who will tell of his kindnesses. Well, what does it mean to be a true child of God? It starts by recognizing that everything we have and everything we are comes from our Heavenly Father, that we don't deserve any of it, that we can't earn it, and he simply gives it to us because he is our loving God. God's true children then will say thank you and worship and praise God. True children will trust that God always gives the right gifts, the right amount of gifts at the right time, and that he never gives gifts, even if his children are begging, if he knows that they are not good for them. But we have to confess that too often we are not true children. And it's not just little kids that sometimes act like spoiled brats. It's adult children, too. Maybe we have received a gift from God and we held up and said, I don't want that gift, and we threw it back. Or maybe we said, God, why don't you give me the gifts? I've been praying, I've been asking, I've been begging, and you still haven't given me what I know is best for me. Or sometimes we just don't trust God. One of the things we take for granted, central heat. You know when you don't take it for granted? When your furnace stops working on Christmas Eve morning and you're on your way to church at 10 o'clock and you have to call the guy. He cleaned it and it's fine. But all of a sudden I had a greater appreciation for my furnace. 
But it's easy when those things happen, little or small, to ask, why this? Why now? Why me? God, don't you love me? But the result of questioning God or getting angry with God or or simply not appreciating the gifts that God has given, it, it all leads to distress is the word that Isaiah uses. Troubles, trials, tribulations. Now, I can't say that every problem we face in life is the direct result of an ungrateful heart. But many are. Because when we don't appreciate all of the gifts that God has given us, when we take them for granted, we often fail to realize that God has given everything that we need. When we get angry with God because he didn't give us what we want or he, he given us something that we don't want, well, then our lives are just filled with worry and stress and anxiety. When we constantly want more and more and more, we can never have true peace and contentment. Now, if God were a father anything like I am, he would simply say to us, you know what? If you don't want my gifts, I'll just take them away. And you can, as my father used to say, suffer. But that's not what God does. Instead, Isaiah tells us in all their distress, he too was distressed. That actually takes us back to the word compassion. It literally means to suffer with somebody. On the one hand, we could say that God sympathizes with us. He, he feels sorry for us. That's really what mercy is. Mercy is when you look at somebody or something and they're so pitiful, you just can't help but feel sorry for them. But on the other hand, God empathizes with us. And, and that means he knows what we're going through. This is an absolutely amazing thought. We're talking about the almighty, eternal God who needs no one and nothing. We have to realize that. God does not need us. God didn't owe us life. He didn't have to put us here. God doesn't owe us our bodies or our health. God doesn't owe us family and friends and people that love us. God doesn't even owe us, contrary to what the world is saying, food or clothing or shelter or air to breathe. He doesn't owe anything. He simply loves us. And so he wanted to empathize with us. And Isaiah said, as a result, he became our Savior. But then there's a a challenging verse here. In his love and mercy, oh, I skipped a verse. In all their distress, he too was distressed, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and mercy, he redeemed them. When we say he became our savior, we think right away of Jesus. But then Isaiah says that the angel of God's presence saved us. So what's the connection? In the Old Testament, the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, before he was born and named Jesus, was often referred to as the angel of the Lord. Now we have to make a distinction Jesus, or the eternal Son of God, is not a created angel like Gabriel or the angels that appeared to the shepherds out in their fields nearby. And yet, at the same time, he is an angel because the word means messenger. 
God sent his own son who from eternity stood in his presence to become human flesh so that he could suffer our distress and redeem us from our sins, become our savior. And we can think about how Jesus suffered in our distress. The almighty God, the word through whom all things were made, became a tiny human fetus in the womb of Mary. And if when you or your wife were pregnant, you read that book, What to Expect When You're Expecting, you start out as a pea, and then you become the size of a walnut, then you're an orange, and then you're a grapefruit. Jesus had to grow. And like any other child, he was his own separate body within the body of Mary, and yet completely dependent upon if you're watching The Chosen, his ima, his mama. And then, even though he is the creator of the world, Jesus was born. Not in a royal palace, wrapped in royal robes and placed in a golden crib, but in a stable wrapped in rags and placed in a feeding trough. And only a few months after he was born, the angel who assured Joseph that Mary's child was conceived by the Holy Spirit had to come back and tell him in the middle of the night to get up and take the child and his mom and leave for Egypt, a foreign country. Could you imagine with your first newborn child, because the second one, you're probably okay, but with your first newborn child, you have to get up in the middle of the night and go to a foreign country. Somebody asked me last week, well, what do you think they did with the gifts of the magi, the gold and the frankincense and the myrrh? They might have turned them into cash so they could go to Egypt. And they stayed there until Herod died. The angel came back and said, okay, it's safe to go back to Israel now. But Joseph was still afraid because Herod's son, Archelaus, wasn't any nicer than his father. And Jesus' life was still in danger. I mean, from the time he was born. The almighty son of God was in danger of being killed. And of course, you, you know how his life ended. That never really went away. But through all of his suffering, Jesus was a true child of God who told us of God's kindnesses. Jesus literally embodied God's love to us. Now, when he's little, it's harder to see that. There's a line that when they went back to Nazareth, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature with, and in favor with God and with men. He obeyed his parents from the very beginning. When he's 12, we see Jesus in the temple, and he's not only learning, but he's already beginning to tell about who he is and who God is as he studies the scriptures. But when Jesus begins his ministry, it becomes much more evident. Now he is a preacher and a teacher who is telling everybody that the kingdom of heaven is near. In fact, if you are watching The Chosen, this is a, a series you can watch on your phone or TV. The most recent episode I watched, Jesus went back to his hometown of Nazareth and he was trying to help them understand that he isn't the little kid that they knew growing up. But he was the Messiah. He was the one that God promised to save his people from their sins. Jesus told of God's kindnesses every time he healed the sick. 
He made the blind see or the deaf hear, the mute talk or the lame walk. How could he show God's love more than when he gave Jairus back his daughter or the widow, her son, or Mary and Martha, their brother? How could Jesus show God's love more than when on the night he was betrayed, he said to his disciples, as he will to you today, take and eat. This is my body given for you. And drink. This is my blood poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. How could Jesus tell of God's love more than when he hung on the cross and he cried out, Father, forgive them. And then it is finished. And even after he died, Jesus rose again to tell of God's kindnesses, to assure his disciples and hundreds of others who could assure us that he is indeed alive and reigning as we pray every week. And before he went back to heaven, he assured that his disciples would go and tell of his kindnesses to the ends of the earth. As a result, you have become God's child. In his love and mercy, God redeemed you. Remember that word from catechism? To redeem means to buy back or to pay the ransom price to set free. We must never forget that we were born as children of the devil and more slaves of the devil. We could do nothing but sin and we were destined for nothing but hell until Jesus came. And he suffered our distress. And by his suffering and death, he paid the price that we owe God for our sins. By his perfect life, he set us free from any obligation to earn our own salvation. And he refuted the devil. And so the devil no longer controls you. But you are now indeed a child of God. So what does that mean for 2023? It means we have another year to live as true children of God and to tell of his kindnesses. What's that look like? It means that tomorrow morning when you wake up and every day thereafter you simply say, Thank you, Father, for life, for my body, for whatever health I might have. Thank you for my family and friends and my house and food and clothes and everything I have and everything I need. Thank you, Father, for in holy baptism making me your child. And then you live like it. At the end of the day, you relive your baptism by saying, please forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. And then you hear God say to you, your sins are forgiven. You are my own dear child. So start again tomorrow. And to find strength for that, every week we gather as the children of God. First, so that we can simply come to worship God. I think sometimes people look at this more as Bible study. This is worship. We come to church to say thank you to God for all of his gifts, especially the gift of a Savior. And then, yes, we offer him our prayers and we ask for his help because we trust that our Father will always give us the right gifts at the right time. And then we go to, to live in that strength. If you haven't had the habit yet, then I do invite you to come to one of our Bible studies because there we have a chance to dig into God's Word and to hear more about how He gives us promises for our everyday lives. 
and then go home and, and tell of God's kindnesses to whoever lives in your house. If, if you don't have the newsletter yet, grab the newsletter on your way out. Pastor Albrecht wrote an excellent article with all kinds of suggestions on how you can read God's word together at home as you tell of his kindnesses to the people that you love most. And then I'm going to encourage you to take one more step. And that's to tell of God's kindnesses to others. You can do that first in a very generic way. As I, I mentioned in a sermon a few weeks ago, if you ask Gary Schultz, how's it going? He says... Maybe you can say, blessed by the Lord because I'm here. God's given me life. I'm blessed by the Lord because God's given me family and friends. I'm, I'm blessed by the Lord because of whatever gift you want to mention. I'm blessed by the Lord because I'm a child of God. I'm blessed by the Lord because God has forgiven my sins. I'm blessed by the Lord because even though this and that and the other thing, these hard things are happening in my life, I know that Jesus has a life, a perfect, glorious life prepared for me. You can do that every day. But will you also, each family, create a short list? One or two, three people at most. And will you commit to praying for them? People who do not know that Jesus is their brother and God is their father. And will you look for an opportunity sometime in the next 12 months to specifically tell them what Jesus has done for them, or at least to invite them here so that we can tell them for you. That would be quite a gift to give to your God. I, I pray that you received all the gifts that you wanted and, and certainly that you said thank you. Today we say thank you to God for all the gifts that he has given to us, especially the gift of his son, so that we too can become children of God. And now we ask God to give us the strength to live as his true children and to tell of his kindnesses every day for another year and into eternity.